Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. And with us this week, we have Justin Lunny. Hello. Hi, Sam. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. Can you tell the audience a little bit about sort of who you are, what you do? Yeah, of course. My name is Justin Lunny, as I say. I am the CEO and founder of Everati. Everati has been formed to produce some of the world's most iconic electric cars. Right. Okay. Let's let's sort of dive back a little bit and then we'll get to what you're doing right now. Then, What's been your journey? Sort of, have you been involved in cars for a while or not really? So my background is actually... Uh, a car lover from from as long back as I can remember. My um, my journey into cars was really um, like many people who have a, have a passion for cars and, and uh, yeah, been fortunate to own quite a few different vehicles myself. But um, my background is actually technology, so I've been okay. in tech and been sort of producing, um, building businesses really around payments and technology. Um, and it's given me a good background in terms of technology itself, but also some of the technology we're now using in our cars and taking them forward as brand new, um, redefined vehicles, really. So that's that's how I got to this point. Okay. And then, so what made you think, okay, I want to start a car company? Because generally yes. car companies don't make any money. So. <laughs> well, I woke, I woke up one day. No, I think the, um, so I've been fortunate to, to grow a couple of businesses, sold them, um, and uh, thankfully that's been fairly successful. But I think two or three things happened for me, actually. So I had... Um, I had a view on EV, um, and this was probably about seven, eight years ago, which was to say it's definitely coming, there's no return. And whilst at that point um, I didn't have the idea for a variety, it was more that I could see these things happening and, and coming uh, coming forward. Clearly the Tesla effect has just grown and grown and grown. Um, background in tech, so actually looking at how 
EV and I guess clean technologies um, was was a market and could right. I somehow get into that that industry itself? But also being a car lover, you know, from a very young age, it, it just it just became something I wanted to do. Um, tied with that, I used to live right in the centre of Windsor, um, right opposite Windsor Castle. Saw Harry and Meghan leave Castle in the electric <laughs> type, and it really was one of those light bulb moments to say, "This is really cool. There's something here." Um, yeah. And frankly, why we're doing what we're doing is we want people like like you, like me, like other listeners to think about EV in a different way, which is they can be cool, they can be fun, they can be engaging, and you can get out of an EV in the same way as you might do about your, your beautiful cars today and look back and be proud of it and, and love it. And that's really what we're about. Okay, okay. And then, so you decided, let's let's do something with this project. Did you... What's the process from then? Are you basically going like, let's find the tech and then find the cars, or have you got an idea for a car and then started working on that? Yeah, so we had a, so really I had a couple of ideas for cars. So the two that really stood out for me um, from, I guess, from being again a kid really and having cars on my you know, bedroom wall, but there's various cars out there that you know, clearly the key one for us has been our, our 911, which we'll no doubt yeah. talk about. Another another one that bizarrely my uncle had when I was when I was growing up was an SL um, Mercedes SL, mm. so a beautiful car, not a performance car, but something that you know um, he really enjoyed. Um, our process has been very much define you know the kinds of cars we want to look at, um, but then I have hired a team, and, and actually my business partner, um, his background is entirely automotive, so he's been in space for. Um, 15 years work for high profile businesses including Mercedes Benz for the last uh, 10 years so very much looking at how we build a quality product um, and how we can essentially take these beautiful vehicles and redefine them re-engineer them as opposed to just convert them and I think there's a, there's a definition yeah. there okay so because I guess a lot of people might look at some of these things and go because I know with let's say a 911 an old 911 you can I know you can take the powertrain out and literally put in a motor and then you yes. can swap it back. So yeah. this has gone beyond just that. <laughs> it has. It has indeed. So I think that so my, my engineering team is largely um, so UK-based, but XJLR, McLaren, spent some time at Lotus. Um, yeah, we've got battery technicians, we've got low-voltage technicians, we've got drive chain engineers. And really, our process is very um, mindful of the original vehicle. So when, really, when we're defining specification, we say, yeah, what has that car got away, ideally? Um, clearly, what's the performance and what's the range? So those three elements are always in, in our mind in terms of how we specify a vehicle. And you're absolutely right. There are people out there that can rip apart, um, dare I say, a Nissan Leaf or, or some other car, put the bits in something else um, and call it an electric car conversion. And, you know, some of those are successful, some aren't. I personally um, think there's going to be a lot more regulation around that space because I think actually um, there are some risks associated with, with doing it that way. But in essence, we take a, an original vehicle, we, uh, we weigh it so we know exactly what it should be four-corner weighted. We take out the drivetrain uh, very carefully so we don't damage the chassis. Um, we then 3D scan the space that we've got left, and then okay, we yeah. had to design a brand new drivetrain for that car with those features in mind. So weight, weight distribution, 
uh, range and performance and really try and define and engineer that vehicle such that the finished product is as close to the original as we possibly can um, and drives like it should as well because it's pointless getting a 911 um, and it weighing you know 300 kilos more than it should have done yeah. it just wouldn't be a 911 anymore is that quite a difficult task making because you you've done your build is based on a is it a 964 or a 903 964 so what does a 964 weigh 1300 kilos yeah 1350 something like that i mean you know our our car um the one that we've had in the press quite a lot recently is the um sort of signature wide body car that actually bizarrely and most people shocked um weighs less than the original so um, we've shaved about 40 kilos off the original weight in terms of the, you know, the wet, wet sort of curb weight. Um, we've done that actually largely around things like carbon fiber panels. So, okay. um, front wings, roof, um, bonnet, and in fact, doors on that car. But even without all of that, it's not, it's not hugely different from the original. And the weight distribution again on that car is 60, 40, so 60% rear, 40% front. So again, almost identical to the original. Um, so that's been really important. So I think, you know, our process is, is fairly involved. Um, it's about a six month process to fully re-engineer a car. So we're not about, you know, there are people out there that are, you know, doing, let's say a Porsche today, a Land Rover tomorrow, a E-Type the next day and a Ferrari the next day. We're all about almost treating this as an OEM would, you know, as a, as a manufacturer would, redefining them, redesigning the drivetrain such that they come out of our workshop, out of our, our facility as a beautifully finished um, car that people can hopefully enjoy in, and in the same way as they might have done, although this one won't leak oil on the floor. <laughs> you hope. <laughs> it's yeah. Stuck in Something's there. From, from the freestyle. <laughs> now you say, you say you won't do, you know, all these different cars. I'd had a little look on your website and you do like four or five different cars. We do. That's <laughs> right. So, so what we do is each one of those has been fully, fully engineered. So, yeah. So to say, rather than doing on one day or one month, seeing one car, one, so, so effectively each build program takes about six six months or an engineering yeah. program. And then we can offer those as finished cars to our customers. So our Porsche, for example, you know, we've had um, customers from uh, quite a number from the UAE, quite a few folks in, in the UK, a couple of guys in Switzerland, a lot in the US. So our, our model is to really design and prove the the whole car effectively is a finished car mm. and then we build them to order so in essence yeah we expect to build um a number of 964s over a period of time clearly uh we're just about to launch our land rover series so it's the predecessor to the uh, defender really cool little car you know it's um it's not for long journeys it's about having fun you know in town or by the beach or on your dare I say, country estate, but it's something that is really, really cool, 120-mile um, range, so it's not something that's going to go for, you know, for, for long journeys. That said, in, I think most of those cars, you'd need a chiropractor after about 30 miles anyway, <laughs> the original. Um, but it's all about you know just looking at these beautiful, beautiful cars, fully restored, um, nut and bolt restoration, but then with a the drivetrain that, that suits the environment um, for those cars. And again, that one, um, yeah, we're going to have that at a few shows soon. And uh, the feedback's been great. We're already building customer cars and, and, and you yeah, really exciting time for that. Yeah. With these these builds, are you aiming to sort of do a, like a pristine version? Okay, so let's say 964. I, I've not had a – I've seen the car, but I've not really had a look around or anything. Um, 
Are you looking to do a sort of pristine 964 that is electric or are you sort of taking that into a bit more like 2021, you know, evolving yeah. different bits of the car at the same time? Yeah, it's, it's kind of down to customer um, choice, really. So at the moment, we've got what we call two trim levels. So one is our pure, our, our pure range, and that is as close to the original, albeit slightly updated. So that has um, an updated interior. Again, true to the original 964, it just doesn't look like a you know a German boardroom, right through to having things like you know, Porsche CCCM, a PCCM, um, up- upgraded air conditioning systems and everything else. But, but to the untrained eye, yeah, that would be a narrow body, um, beautifully restored, to the untrained eye looking original like a 964, but, but beautifully restored. And then our signature range adds to that. So generally speaking, our signature range is, is wide body. Um, we have op- options such as upgraded, uh, fully adjustable electronic suspension, um, we have a variety of other aspects of that car. We have noise generation. So if you want it to sound like uh, V6, uh, sorry, flat six, you can. If you want to do V6 or a V8 or something different, you can as well. And when, you, when I show you around the car, you'll see what I mean by that. It's quite an interesting concept where you can switch it on and off on your app, but essentially you can have that car uh, sounding like the original. And when you start the, uh, start the key, it vibrates through the chassis as if it was a, an original car. So it's quite, a, quite fun. I remember. I, so I, I've 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 heard it. It's on. I was. I think I was at Festival Speed, and it was on. Okay. And I walked past it, and I was like, "Hang on a minute! I know this is an electric car. What is going Absolutely. on here?" Was it, it was, it was, we had. Um, I don't know who the gentleman was, but one, one of my colleagues was. Was it might have been the, the guy you mentioned earlier? Uh, was was actually on the app, and there was a gentleman um, leaned down to the exhaust pipes with a pipe in sound, and then. Somebody revved it on the app, and this pint went pretty much <laughs> everywhere. So, yeah, it's um, it definitely shocks a few people when we uh, when we have it on. If I was driving it actually in town um, in London uh, not so long ago, and pulled up some lights, and somebody stopped the and said, "Oh, that's, that's beautiful," but I thought it was electric, and of course we had the sound on. So, it, yeah. it's kind of that whole juxtaposition. But people actually, you know, actually quite like it. It's quite a nice experience. It's kind of a fun uh, something something a bit different, I guess, Absolutely. to add in there. With the like all the electric side of it, are you where are you getting your batteries and powertrain and stuff like that from? Yeah, so in the main, so everything um, that we're doing is all around using OEM proven, um, essentially components that we then integrate ourselves. So all of our batteries are brand new, for example, power electronics are brand new. The um, the, the really the essence of what we're trying to do here is ensure that. We don't, um, you know, as I said before, without discrediting them, there are people out there that are just putting cars apart um, and we've got a very different approach. Ours is a fully engineered approach. The Porsche itself does actually use a uh, Tesla drive unit itself Mm -hmm. just because from a packaging and weight distribution perspective, it works really well. The performance of that motor is is incredible as well for, for what we need. Um, that said, on some of our other cars, so for example, our GT40, which is going to be testing <laughs> towards the end of the year, um, that has twin IPT motors. Uh, IPT are a company, British company that are working within uh, in Oxfordshire. Um, they did the motors for the Neo EP9. They also right. did the motors for the um, VW IDR. So we're, we're looking at 800 
horsepower peak on that particular okay. bike and would need me to talk. Um, so again, this is kind of where we're taking the business, which is to be known for the very highest quality and performance. But dare I say, not, but it's got to be relevant to the car. So we would never, yeah. you know, even if somebody asked us, we'd never put 500 horsepower in a Defender because it wasn't built for it. Whereas yeah. actually a Porsche chassis can take five, 600 horsepower. GT40 can take what we're putting in it. Um, but it's always going to be appropriate for the vehicle. GT40. That is such an iconic sounding car. It I mean, is. so is a Porsche, but that would be interesting to see how that, that comes across. How long do you think before that one will be? So we're going to be testing that towards the end of this year. Um, it's available to order now. In fact, we've got a few people um, very keen on that car because, you know, we've got people who are collectors or, or original owners of GT40s that probably never drive those cars. Um, yeah. Our relationship there is with, um, I don't know if you know, Superformance. Um, yeah. Superformance have the uh, effect of their, re- their, their continuation cars. So they are um, using most of the original sort of designs and tooling for GT40s. Um, they also happen to own and the rights or the, the ability to put the GT40 <laughs> name and Shelby yes. name. So that's going to be quite interesting. Um, but in essence, you know, We've got a guy uh, at the moment um, in Europe who has an original car. Yes, he might take it out two or three times a year to a, to the odd show, you know. But if we can build him an exact, exact copy, but fully the, we'll have a sound platform on it. It won't be as loud because that's just not even possible. I think you know, yeah. ear, ear bleeding is not what we're about. But it has the ability to sound pretty real, um, and yet you can drive it anywhere, you know. And, and as you probably know, there's parts of you know, not only London, but, you know, parts of various cities in, in Switzerland and, and Paris, uh, or France and, and various different places in Europe where you just can't drive some of these yeah. cars anymore. Um, and that's going to be really interesting. Uh, again, I, I can't see, I can't wait for the day to drive a, one of our really, really eyeful cars, a GT40 through a low emission zone. It's going to be quite a lot of fun. You, you'll have people listening to the podcast that will be like pulling their hair out at the idea of this. But, <laughs> It's not like you've taken one of the original GT40s and done something with it. It's a Superformance one, which is basically exactly the same, but built now. Um, And yeah, your your point about using these cars, like a lot of cars, as they get older, are a little bit more difficult to use, especially the race cars. You don't necessarily just want to start them up and take them to the pub. Pretty cool if you did, but not that easy. Whereas I guess putting them to making a car, let's say it's, it's not an original GT40. It's like a All different right. car at this point that you can get in. It's got really good air con that you can just sit in the car, turn it on, do all the stuff like that. Do you do something with the gate? What do you do with the gauges and stuff like that? Yeah. So the gauges, again, we try and keep them as original looking as possible. So um, an example is our, our Porsche gauges, uh, gauges, should I say, on our Porsche, which uh, are very, very similar looking to an original Porsche. In fact, they're somewhere between, bizarrely, the original and, say, the Singer dials, um, mm. uh, sort of in terms of look and feel. But they're obviously now showing different data. But, but in essence, they're in the same place. Um, we're not really about putting screens in our car, if we can help it. You know, again, to the untrained eye, we think it's quite important that they look as original as possible. Mm. Um that's quite a challenge in some ways, you know, <laughs> you know, EV data is, as you know, very different to, yeah. um, 
to a combustion engine. But, but in essence, we try and make them as original as possible and look and feel like they should be there. And that, that's the key thing for us. And when you get in the car, does your phone just connect to Bluetooth or something in the car? Right. And then you yeah. can play music and whatever. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, bizarrely, uh, Porsche helped us quite a lot because actually when we were defining the audio system on our uh, 964, um, it was about the same time that the Porsche PCCM um, yes. singled-in classic unit came out, and that, that works perfectly in our cars, you know, and uh, you got Bluetooth for CarPlay um, in a 1991 um, vehicle, which, is, which has been really, really, ha- yeah, really handy for us, definitely. Uh, and it just fits, right? It's a Porsche unit. You know, we, you know, there are other things we're doing for our other cars where we're hiding a lot of this, you know, hiding mm. uh, the head unit entirely because it just wouldn't be appropriate to have it on show. Um, but again, it's all part of that kind of surprise and delight, I suppose, when you get in a car, you've got increased comforts, it's got heated seats, uh, you can actually use it. I mean, your point about cars being either not used or, or put away, I think there's there's a whole market of people that just love the look of some of these cars. You know, the Pagoda, I think, is has become such a ty- timeless yeah. vehicle, but actually there's a huge swathe of people that love the idea of owning one, but just wouldn't dare to drive it because they don't want to get let down and it, it, it break down the side of the road. And then on the other side, something like the GT40, you know, we've actually engineered that, that it could do some track work. And, you know, I can, I can okay. see them running around Goodwood um, on days where noise restrictions are in and we can just, you know, can blast it around the track um, without any, you know, without worrying anybody. God, are your cars go-kart-like in the sense of they're two pedals? Or do they have, because I've seen some electric cars that have some kind of shifting situation. What do you yeah. have? Yeah. So at the moment, um, it is, so it's, it's, it's nine times out of 10, and I think probably almost 10 times out of 10, it will still be two pedals. So yeah. uh, it will be, you know, go and stop. Um, that said, we are um, looking at, and we are working quite, quite considerably on um, things like vir- virtual gear change. So actually doing a talk interrupt where okay. the original motor would have done. And, and we can actually map the torque curve on these cars as close to the original as we as we want as well. Um, yeah. And that combined with the other NV8, so the other the sort of the other feedback on the car. So the sound, obviously, you know, we've, we've got some conversations with some companies that build race simulators. So again, having some of that feel, you know, within an electric car is quite an interesting concept. And, um, you know, do you get hit in the back of in the back of the chair when it changes gear, for example. You know, there's, there's yeah. lots of options around that. Um, it's not original, but it's intended not to be original because the fact is, you know, it's not the original. We're not claiming it yeah. to be. We're just saying it's a, a very, very good option for those who want to be able to use these cars in the future. It's an interesting idea of playing with the mapping because, yes, you, I guess then you can have a gear stick, whether it's like a sequential or whatever, and you could literally just define the torque curve up to that point and then you hit a, a, a limiter yep. and then you click and then it's Absolutely. the same thing so you could you can exactly simulate gears that's exactly right that's exactly right and and that you know again for the kind of customers we're talking to for some of them that just isn't interesting right if you, yeah. you, know, you go to land Rover, not 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 interesting it's all about yeah. you know cruising and enjoying um, your vehicle. On the other side, as you rightly say, for people who are, um, there are, say, petrol heads and they actually want some of that involvement, that engagement. It's the same with yeah, modern cars today. If you jump into your, yeah, your 812 or whatever, 
you either have it in auto mode or you can use the flappy paddles. You're not really doing much different to what you've just described in many ways. Um, so, yeah, it's a similar, similar thing. Right? Quite different, but yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, but you know where I'm coming from. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, there's an engagement level there, and we can certainly engineer a lot of a lot of that back into these cars. Um, and that, I think, is really it's fun. Like, these, these cars, fun. in the main, are about fun. They're about you know, people who love vehicles, love the look of them, um, but want to be able to drive them into the future. And, and it's getting increasingly difficult to do that in lots of parts of the world. Yeah, absolutely. And like central London, we know it's coming. There's other parts of the world that are already there where you're just not going to be allowed to drive something that's not an electric into that's town. Right. And therefore, you just removed all of these cars from history that everyone loves. Absolutely. And you just, yeah. you won't be able to drive them. So yeah, I, I, I totally see it. I have a, a Peugeot E208. That's my okay. sort of city town car. Bought that a couple of months ago. And I love driving an electric car around London. Mm. Like for all of the reasons. One, I know I'm not polluting and yeah. that sort of stuff. But also it's easy. You never go to a petrol station like it's always charged you don't pay congestion charge how long that will last for i don't know uh parking's really cheap likewise how long will that last for i don't know but at the moment it's really quite a nice thing driving an electric car around town and not having the noise is fine yeah it's funny i quite my daily driver is um is a tycan actually um, and i I do a fair amount of miles in that car but like you i mean it is um it's very different to a couple of the other cars I've owned and, and still still own, actually. But the reality is it can be a lot of fun. You'll never tire of the talk, you know, just being able to just put your foot down and, and enjoy that. Um, but the other thing people worry about, obviously, is things like range anxiety, and I, and I, do, yeah. I do get that. Um, that said, for me personally, my use case is I drive from my home, um, which is about 65, 70 miles from my uh my our facility our HQ. Yeah. Um I've done about nine and a half thousand miles in my Taycan in um ten months. Um and I've only ever charged that away from home once in that entire time. So you know <laughs> it's bizarre. It depends on your use case, right? It really most does. of our customers, um, this is a very sweeping statement, but most of our customers um probably aren't, you know, sales reps out on the road doing two, three, four hundred miles a day. They're people that enjoy cars. These aren't probably their only cars. And therefore, it's just a different use case. You know, I, I've had cars where probably I've got through a tank of fuel in 200 odd miles as well. Because yeah. that's the kind of cars they are, right? You know, we've all, yeah. we've all owned them. Um, but yeah, I, I think range anxiety is, is definitely a thing. Um, but it's getting so much better in the UK in terms of facilities. But also these types of cars, generally speaking, use cases, I want to get out. I want to enjoy it. Then I'll go to a fast charger or I'll go home. It depends on, on, on yeah. how people are using them. Which, which, which Taycan do you have? I have a Turbo S, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is unfortunately uh, my thing. It has to be, <laughs> has to be the quickest. Um, but I love Suitably it. loony. I, yeah, I, I, exactly. It's so quick. Yeah, I mean, it's quite funny. Our, um, our HQ is right on uh, an air, a disused air, airstrip, a runway. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think if uh, if any of my colleagues or friends need their insides rearranged, I literally <laughs> just take it, <laughs> take it up the track, and um, yeah, it's, it's done within a few seconds. So yeah, it's quite it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a good. It's, I'm 
current, I would like to switch to a larger car, electric car at some point. And I've just not, I, for me, the, for a larger car, I have to be able to go a long, a longer distance. And it's yeah. not, I feel like I could give it two more years and, and I'll be able to make the transition on that. But Absolutely. short journeys, a little electric car or whatever, like short journeys or shorter journeys. Hmm. Um, it's fine. Like, have you, have you done many long journeys? And oh, you said you barely filled it up. So have you done yes, many long journeys? Like, so, I, so the longest, so I, um, uh, the longest journey I've done in that Taycan just on a day's use is about 220 miles. So pretty much up to the, to the limit. Um, and that was without charging on that particular day. Um, uh, and then another couple of times I just used a fast charging. I mean, that, that's the thing. And, and unfortunately you get to know about the charges that you can rely on and those yeah. that you can't, you know, and, and that's unfortunately is still the case, you know, um, it's very rare that you turn up to a petrol station. There's no petrol. Um, but if you did, you know, there's another one around the corner where yeah. it's actually, you know, with charges, you kind of need to know they're working. Um, but actually, you know, so for me, I charge it at home. So every morning it's got 240, 250 miles range. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm very fortunate that I've got, you know, a relatively fast charger at home. So it's charged, you know, within a few hours at home. Um, it is still a challenge for those who don't have that capability, but, but you know, it's getting better. It's what it is. It's, and I think for the people that can't charge at home, an electric car is a very, very, very different proposition because it's yeah. just not the same. Um, so what's the, what's the theoretical range? What's the WLTP on your car and what do you get? On the, on the Taycan? On the Taycan, yeah. Yeah, you know, I couldn't tell you what WLTP is, but I, I get... I don't always hang about this thing. So um, <laughs> you drive it relatively spiritedly. But, but, that's, I, but that's real world. I get that. In real world, I, I will easily easily get north of 220. Okay. Um, I rarely get more than 230. Um, I think when I got it this morning, it's showing 252 as a, as a, a theoretical range. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it really depends. And, and, and as you, I'm sure you know, it does depend on weather. You know, if, it's, if it's a warish yeah. day. It's great. I remember being uh, October, November last year, and I was probably getting less than 220 maximum. So, yeah, yeah it really does depend a bit on, on that as well. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I had uh, a family member asking about, they were looking at getting an electric car, and they want to be able to do longer journeys. And in, in short, you want to be like, okay, but how much of a techie are you? Because yeah. using an electric car and charging away from home requires an awful lot of research apps. Like yeah. you need to know charging speeds. You need to know providers. Yeah. You need to statuses. All this stuff is, it's not simple. You can't just get in the no. car and go, take me there. No, but, I mean, um, so, they do so one of the, Yeah, one of the charging networks, I, and I'm, I don't much drop too many names. We, you know, just me personally, if there's an Instavolt charger somewhere or if there's yeah. an Ionity charger, I know it's A, going to work. B, there's probably more than one of them. So if one's busy, there's, you know, there's, yeah. there's a couple there. Um, I used the ones down at Goodwood, for example, last mm, couple of weeks ago, we were doing a track day at Goodwood with, with our car. Um, and it's perfect, you know. Have they got some at Goodwood now? They've got some at Goodwood, absolutely. Oh, nice. So, you know, just near the, where their flying school is, the flying yeah. area, just in those bays there, there's two, I think there might be BP, I can't remember, but... Yeah, perfect. Fast charging, and because our, our Porsche is you know able to do fast charging, I think 
that charged from about on that day 30 percent to 90 plus percent in about 50 minutes so you know it's very very useful over lunch or whatever yeah yeah absolutely how fast can your cars what's the battery pack size what's the theoretical range and how fast can they charge yeah on the porsche it's 53 kilowatt hour so usable about 50 but you've got to remember that the great thing about that car, because it's light, you know, it's not like a Taycan, which has got, you know, double yeah. that battery power, but it's probably three times as heavy or twice as heavy. Yeah. Um, we're getting about 180-ish mile range on that, um, oh, driving it fairly normally. And when I say normally, you know, putting your foot down here and there, but not all okay. the time. Um, if you're driving really, really hard, it's probably nearer 150. Um and obviously, you could technically, yeah, theoretically get more than that. But it's, it's, I would say, fairly safely 180 miles on that. That's um, good. It's, it's, it's pretty good, right? It's, you know, it's, um, you know, people, again, talk about range anxiety. Um, I don't know many people that are going out for, you know, a proper drive that are doing more than, more than 150 miles, probably a yeah. lot less than that, really. The only reason I know that 160, 70, 80 is, is actually okay. Is that's basically what I get out of my E208. Like, oh, really? In terms of, if I drive really conservatively, like 67 or something on the motorway, 65, 67, I'll get 180 miles. Okay. If okay. I drive at 70, I might get 140. Right. Um, so I, I know that like, I've yeah. done return trips and lo- most people go, oh, 200 miles or something. Oh, that's not very far. That's not mm-hmm. enough. And then you actually look at distances, especially in the UK. If you include any city driving or any slow driving, you get b- much better yeah, economy as right. such. Yeah, that's um, what I was say. So I think with my Taycan, you know, the reason I'm probably not getting maximum range is because I'm on motorway most, most yeah. of that journey at, dare I say, at least, you know, Certainly around the speed limit, put it that way. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and therefore, um, by definition, you know, electric cars, long journeys, motorways um, are going to be, you know, are, are very power sapping. Whereas you rightly say, you know, I, I can drive into uh, into London, you know, to Mayfair from, from my own Surrey, and my range actually starts going up because it's just not yeah. used to being <laughs> in slow traffic. So um, that's the other thing that people, yeah, just need to get used to, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know whether you've gone to the level of like I n- I now know what um like depending on driving that I know what efficiency in terms of what is it kilowatts per miles yeah, per kilowatt or yeah, kilometers per right. kilowatt or whatever and I know it yeah. ranges for me it would between like three and seven I think it's seven yeah. would be like crazy around town or something um, and then I know if I've got fifty percent battery. I know it doesn't quite work like that because 50% battery is not the same as half of 100%. That's right. Why, why, is, why is that? So the, the, there's, there's a number of ca- calculations that are always going on around the battery management system. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it is that whole how quickly it discharges power, but also it has to calculate enough residual that every battery will never be empty. There's always, you know, a, a, a room for error, which is not even error. It will never go, it will never fully discharge because if it fully yeah. discharges, you've got, you've got problems. So the battery management will always keep it, um, 
a number, yeah, energy in reserve, should we say? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's not it's not an exact it's an exact science, but it's, it's a very <laughs> complicated exact science. Um, but yeah, that's that's the main reason. So it's not like as you say, half a tank is you know it's either half a tank or it's not. Um, yeah. It's actually a different calculation on, a, on an EV. And then so going back to batteries and stuff. Well, carry on with batteries in the in the nine six four. Where do you put all the batteries? Do you sort of have you broken them up and there's yeah. some here, some there, and stuff like that? Yes. Again, so on our on our cars, we're always very mindful that the car is really the star. You know, we're just changing its heart. In essence, it's still a, a Porsche. Uh, Porsche. We don't cut the chassis. We put the 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 power electronics, the batteries, the motors where where the original bits would have been. So on on the Porsche. Um, it's about two thirds, maybe a bit more batteries in the, in the rear where the, where the engine would have been. Um, and then a chunk of them in, in the front where the fuel tank would have been. So again, we're trying to keep that, that weight distribution. Um, uh, on something like our GT40, you probably know that the fuel tanks on GT40 are in the sills. So again, our, our engineering there, which is quite challenging actually, trying to split battery packs up and around into the, into the rear of the car. Um, but that's about the engineering. That's the levels that we go to to try and make sure that the cars are, you know, correct when it comes to weight distribution. Um, but yeah, on the Porsche, as I say, it's uh, they're split um, for that very reason, which is which is you know, which is weight distribution. Mm. I know something that some people worry about, and I've seen actually, I've I've seen a clip of an electric car in someone's garage just going boom. Yeah. Yeah, and like leveling the garage. Yes, um, it's not, not something that anyone wants. But like, yeah. has that was a, not you know a couple of years ago or something. But yeah. how has that stuff changed now? And are the systems significantly better to stop battery packs yeah. overloading and just going? They, they, they are. Now, stuff? Yeah, don't be wrong. Um, any any car, if it's if it's fuel starts to ignite, is, is going to be going to be a challenge. The, the big challenge with Electric cars is the batteries themselves. Once they go, certainly historically, once they go, they, they start to a chain reaction. Um, there's a lot more fail safes now, however, in, in, in EU batteries, such that the cells are um, effectively uh, compartmentalized so, it, so that it very much limits the opportunity for that to okay. happen. Um, but you're actually right. I think there is unfortunately quite a lot of fear. So, some of it kind of warranted a lot of it not around that and and dare i say you know possibly spread by by those who don't want evs to be uh, <laughs> to be very popular um but yes there's a lot more safety systems a lot more safety controls um and i don't know if you see there's a couple of uh, videos out recently around um new technologies to sort of suppress that um so i, I would say they are extremely safe um you know are they are they safer or, or not than having a huge fuel tank with a load of fuel <laughs> yeah, in it? Yeah. yeah, it's it's how you protect the batteries. Really, it's the same thing, yeah. right? You know, if you if you pierce a, a fuel tank and you've got an ignition somewhere, then that's going to be a challenge. Um, in the same way, if you, if you can protect the batteries properly uh, in an enclosure that is is either impenetrable or very difficult to penetrate, but also the cells themselves are able to. Not not ch- start to uh, to worry about chain reaction, then that's mm. effectively what you know. That's, that's that's the way to manage these things, really. Because I was chatting to someone, 
Who was he? Oh, yeah, it was a, I think it was a dynamics engineer and about the sort of typical scale. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Board layout of a car mm. and how previously with a fuel tank, you've got, let's say, a side impact a fuel mm. tank is in a part of the car and it's only a part of it that's accessible. Whereas a, a skateboard layout of batteries, you've got a long edge mm. all the way down the car that you can then in theory impact bend, whatever, like yeah. do all that sort of stuff. So if you're putting batteries in the sill yeah. of a car, what do you do to negate that? So yeah, I mean, look, that, that's all about how you build the batteries themselves to be as, as safe as possible and how you, how you, Enclose them essentially, so that, yeah. that's 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 effective for the GT40. With something like the Porsche, of course, you know the impact zones are already there, so we're you know, we, yeah. we're within the space that would have been there already. Um, yeah. So it really it does depend on the vehicle, um, and it's all about the design of that that vehicle, both in terms of functional safety. You know, how, how does it drive? How do you uh, how do you ensure it's going to be safe to drive? But also exactly that, you know, making sure that. We're using the, the latest technologies and the latest sort of engineering um, excellence, really, to ensure that that you know is as safe as safe as, as a petrol car, really. And that's that's basically where where we are today. Um, the other thing I would say is the reason we don't use a skateboard platform. Yeah, you know, we could probably re-engineer some of our cars to sort of allow that. And you've probably seen there is um, a company, I think, a German company that do. Um, almost like a platform for a Vita, for a, a Beetle. So effectively, the Beetle is running on a, on, on a, a, yeah, a, a skateboard. skateboard. The reason we don't do that is, again, we, we want to make sure the chassis itself is intact because everything we do is technically reversible. Um, yeah. you know, so if some magic fuel comes out in you know, five, ten years' time um, then and somebody wants to reinstall the combustion engine, that's, that's certainly possible with our cars. There's also a possibility that hydrogen will become, you know, more accessible for yeah. these cars. Today, in my view, it's it's not right for these cars, but you know that there may be a time. Um, but also, it means that we can upgrade our cars over time. So, if somebody buys, you know, a beautiful nine six four from us today, and in three years' time, battery tech will invariably get better. We know that already. They can bring the car back to us. We can then put new batteries in. And their old batteries can either be recycled or used as a power wall or some other uh, yeah. energy storage. So that's really quite important for us is to, to ensure that we don't cut the car and we don't cut the chassis. Mm. Where do you see this sort of tech being in? I know it's I know it's really difficult to say. Like in a year, not much different. But like yeah. five years time, 
10 years time how much do you think will have evolved in terms of battery motor tech and this sort of thing yeah, I mean, motor tech probably, um, yeah, motor tech's pretty uh, interesting. You know, there are a number of manufacturers doing more and more high performance motors, um, more and more uh, kind of lightweight, smaller motors. So that's definitely a thing. You know, I think more and more power out of a smaller package, and we're already yeah. seeing that and, and using some of those in our cars already. Um, and then the big thing around, you know, is it batteries really, and battery tech, whether it's solid state batteries, which have been almost the nirvana, um, aren't there yet? I think it's fair to say in yeah. certain production um, numbers, um, and then just different technologies and different chemistries. So, you know, I think it's fair to say people do have worries around where some of the rare earth materials come from for, for battery uh, builds today. Increasingly, that's either getting less and less, so that, you know, the, the um, materials themselves. Um, in terms of quantities are going down in, in the batteries, but also there are now a number of technologies coming through that are using much more available um, material. Yeah. Um, and dare I say, um, are far more recyclable as well, because it's pointless doing all of this if we're then creating another another challenge, another yeah. issue. Um, and that yeah, the world has to do that. It has to get to a point where, yeah, yes, we can use electric cars, but that in itself has to be sustainable and, and, and recyclable. And, and that's, that's where I think we're going with the battery side of things. Yeah, totally. I, I want to see, I, I'm ready for the solar panels on the roof, not on, in my car, but I mean, that would be fine. But on the roof of my house, the power wall type situation in the garage or somewhere, and then ideally producing all of my electricity storing it car whatever all that like i am ready for that i I would love to have that and i'm i'd be willing to pay more than it than reasonable to have that yeah it's so funny you said that so i i agree with you you know i think um yes there is a cost benefit over time of not paying energy bills right and i'm sure that'll be a lovely place to be but but i think it's just the right thing to be doing you know i think you know um people who can afford to do it i think should be considering it because actually the more people do that, the cost will come down because by definition, you know, yeah. say uh, it's it's all around um, how many of these things are made, how many batteries are made, how many solar panels are made, and the cost will, will definitely come down. Um, and and I, like you, it's not costing, it's, it's just because I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of people look at electric cars and go, you know, they always say, oh yeah, but the amount of CO2 going into making the car, and and that's, it's not been fully debunked as a theory, but it's way less significant than it used to be on modern yeah. electric cars. Um, yeah. But the the usefulness of a battery, I think a lot of people look at an electric car and go, well, once that's done, whatever, 10 years, 100,000 miles or something, it's kaput and you that's, that's the end. Well, the reality mm-hmm. is you can use those batteries for powering your house or whatever, Absolutely. and they don't need to be anywhere near as powerful as they do in your car. Like they, they can be operating at 50% and still be extremely effective at your day-to-day tasks. Sure. It was um, an interesting one just when you start looking at like kilowatts and w- all that sort of stuff and how much is charged. And then I don't know whether you cycle. Do you cycle at all? I do, yeah. Not as much so, um, yeah, pretty much the same. Um, yeah. But I, if you ever get on like a turbo trainer or a watt bike or something, you know how many watts Absolutely. you can put out. 
and you go okay like i don't know 200 watts that seems like pretty damn hard someone right. like chris hoy can do like 2000 watts which is two kilowatts and you're like hang on a minute my electric car on a slow charger is like three kilowatts yeah and it will take 24 hours or you know something like that to charge yeah. and you go oh my this is so much electricity right yeah yeah and i don't know if you've seen there's, there's a few um oh good grief was it uh, there's a chat talking to um Chris Harris, not so long ago, about you know, is there enough power in the system and where does it come yeah. from? Um, and that's, that, that I think, hopefully has debunked a lot of that insofar as, you know, the amount of, A, renewable energy in the UK is now producing, but also, you know, clearly there, there are uh, other you know, sources in terms of nuclear as well. But also, you know, looking at um, how that's growing over time, you know, every day, you know, or every month, there's more and more, wind farms being uh, yeah. put in, there's more solar capability in the UK, there's more offshore um, wind and indeed uh, other power sources. So I think, you know, that, that all being well as, you know, as a, as a, as a world, those sorts of things tie in. Now the challenge of course is that it's great for um, those who can afford it again, that's doing it. Unfortunately, developing yeah. nations are, are going to be some way off, but I think, the great thing is, you know, let's say China, you know, the number of EVs in China is, is absolutely massive in terms of market share now. And I think, um, you know, as, as a planet, we just need to consider, you know, continue to do these things. And, and I do think technology will get us there. I just hope that it's not too late. You know, I think that the challenges around warming and everything else are, are real and people are seeing it now on a daily basis with either flooding or fires and everything else. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting space. And I think the, the opportunity, I think, for for us petrol heads of, of old is to prove that you can have fun and, and be sustainable and, and actually drive something that's that's fun and engaging as well. For the um, the dino juice side of you, that's not mm-hmm. in a city or driving your electric car. What um, what toys have you got? What, what are you driving? So my um, my fun car um, uh, is one at the moment is a, an eight twelve GTS. So nice. Um, uh, so I which I which I love. Um, although I take it out less and less. It's a weird one because the Everati car that I, I have access to, and I, yeah. I use the um, our demonstrator car, our, our, our yeah. Porsche. Um, it's just so much. Not only so much fun, but it's a talking point. Like you turn up yeah. somewhere everybody wants to talk about it it'll also pretty much beat most things off the lights <laughs> the lights is fun <laughs> it's engaging um and also if i'm honest i'm now you know i'm and i should be i, I you know i i have to practice what i preach so my my daily is definitely my tie can yeah um but also i think um you know with something like that car i probably you know, I, my, my use of that car has probably gone down at least 50-60% just because I love driving the Everati car. Yeah. It's just one of those things that you just get to that point. So yeah, that's my that's my kind of, uh, I wouldn't even say weekend car, it's probably once every six weeks I'm even driving yeah. it. And then for her sins, my wife has a G63 AMG, which um, nice. <laughs> is unfortunately the yin and yang of our, of our household at the moment. Yeah. So um, yeah, we're... we're, we're but that's you know that's a whole market in itself, right? You know, when somebody delivers a really cool electric SUV, um, uh, that's going to be really, really quite yeah, quite something. Yeah, we're we're 
very tiny part of the way with our Land Rover, but it's not the sort of thing that I can yeah. see, you know, driving necessarily long distances. Whereas, yeah, something like that, I think, yeah, the likes of Rivian, I think is really interesting, for example. I think, yeah. And I love what's coming with them. And same with the, what's the manufacturer? The Ionic Q, whatever it's called. What yeah. is that? Hyundai? Is that Hyundai? Hyundai, yeah. Hyundai. Um, just things like a front seat that literally folds flat, like you can use it as a bed. Or I think they have a passenger seat. Does it rotate round so that you can look at the passengers in the back? And yeah. like being able to run any powered anything from your car, That's I, I love that. And Yeah. Have you seen the, um, I think it is the barbecue option on the Rivian where the, you probably know there's a, there's a space, certainly on the, um, the pickup version, and you can get like an, op- an option that brings out an electric barbecue, I think. So yeah. Why wouldn't you, frankly? I, um, so. <laughs> I love all of, I love the innovation in that space that we've got a load of people that have not made, are not making conventional petrol, whatever cars. And they've just gone, well, why don't we do it like this? Yeah. Like, why not? I think, I think that, I think that's, and I think it might have even been Elon Musk said it fairly recently, if not a while back, but what a lot of car, traditional automotive manufacturers haven't yet realised and increasing they are, is they're actually now technology companies. They're not, yeah. you know, the, the byproduct is a hopefully a beautiful, usable, stunning looking vehicle. Um, but actually it's all about the tech. It's, you know, in our cars, you know, they're 30, 40 plus years old, but the tech in them is right bang up to date in terms of, you know, management of them and um all the tech that you don't see frankly um and that's where i think it's really interesting because if you're looking at it from a tech design perspective as opposed to an automotive perspective you, you start to deliver some things that you'd never have done five yeah. years ago you know, the, the likes of having a uh, pull out barbecue or the ability to do a <laughs> tank turn in your four by four yeah well wouldn't you i mean you know if you could um so yeah it's just just a lot more, I guess, innovation that, that is coming through that makes it look more exciting. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm quite a techie person, always sort of have been. But I, I also love like all other elements of life and old cars and loud noises and all that sort of stuff. But I agree, like with modern cars, the tech is actually a huge part of me buying. A, once you've, ex- the problem is once you've experienced certain tech, it's difficult to look back. So, for example, for me, for a daily usage car that may be going on the motorway or something, and my E208 has this, adaptive cruise control right. and, like, lane assist. Lane assist, not so much, but it's okay. But adaptive cruise control, once you've had adaptive cruise control, it's, like, a whole other level above normal cruise control. Mm. And, like, I, I had an 812 for a bit, okay. and it didn't have the adaptive cruise control, it just had normal cruise control. Yeah. And I was getting in and out of the car, even like the Peugeot. And I was like, this is doing my heading because I was yeah. using that car for a lot of long journeys. Yeah. And um, I've since sold it and I bought a Lusso. Okay. But the Lusso has adaptive cruise control. And yeah. like all the things people are like, how's the Lusso? I'm like, it's great. And it's great because it's got acoustic glass in the front. It's got yeah. the upgraded sound system, which I didn't have previously. And it's got adaptive cruise control. And they're like, yeah, but what about the V12? I'm like, yeah, but the V12 is nice. But like... <laughs> <laughs> So, I, had I had a Lucid for a while and I, yeah, they're, they're so, um, I'll be honest, when they very first came out after the FF, I wasn't a massive 
um, fan of them. But I think yeah. they've just grown in, in yeah, they, they've kind of grown into themselves. I think they're great. I hope so. Yeah, absolutely great. Car. But yeah, using, having that, once you've got that tech, yeah, it's difficult to, to go no, back. I really, and I know, like, yeah, I just want absolutely. it all. It's like CarPlay, isn't it? You know, yeah. a few years ago, no one really, like, what's CarPlay? Is it, is it something that anybody really needs? And then you jump in a car without it. And it's, uh, yeah, you kind of miss it, you know, um, which is kind of bizarre. But yeah, that's what, that's what it's for, right? Yeah, technology, um, things that you don't realise you need, and then all of a sudden you can't do without them, I guess. And then it's amazing when you get companies like Porsche, 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 um, coming out with the the systems for the older cars. I thought that their PCM, PCCM, whatever it's called, yeah. system for the, well, yeah, 964 and then 996. I, I was, immediately, I know loads of people that were just like, yep, I'm putting that in my car. Brilliant. Like, I don't want the old system. I want all of this stuff in a system from Porsche. As soon as they make one for a 997, I'm having it in my 997. Like, right. absolutely. Like, no. no, it's interesting. So obviously, we have that in our Porsche. We also have um, fully electronic um, adaptive uh, damper system in our Porsche mm. as well, which, again, is, is a very different thing. It's not, it's not necessarily something you need on a, on a, on a normal sort of daily, daily cruise, but you, you start to be able to play with it. And it's, um, <laughs> it's a technology that people are now putting into even 997s, and we're using the same in, in our 964. And you can set it up. You can have fun with it. You can, you can, you know, either do a, a fairly firm setting that's nothing like an original nine six four. Really, really not not quite track focused, but as a as a sort of B road blast, it's a really yeah, it's a load of fun. Yeah. Or you can soften it right down um, and have that as a yeah, almost almost identical feel to original nine six four, bobbing around at the front yeah. and everything else. Um, but it's stuff that people just you know why wouldn't you? Again, it's just nice to have and it's nice to sort of play with and again these cars generally aren't daily drivers they're about having fun and yeah. um you know as you say the technology in most of them now allows you to do so many more things than you you could have ever done in the past so it's great yeah i bought a dsc sport system for my okay. i don't know if you've come across that it's yeah. like a new controller unit for porsche pasm okay so i have a 997 g3 rs and okay. you can, any 997, any system that car that has PASM, you essentially unbolt the 2010 controller and you put in the 2020 controller. And it uses, for the GT3s and turbos, they all have, they have the accelerometers and G-force meters and stuff like that in the car. So it can use those sensors. Now, it would be better if they had literally modern stuff in the car. But even that, like, and I haven't played around with it at all. You just you just plugged it in. It takes the slack mode, the sort of looser mode, and it's at low speed. The car is a bit more compliant, and then it handles a little bit better when you go faster. And it's like it's a really small thing, and it was a really it was a really easy thing to just fit in the car, not right. too expensive, and like a step change in just usability and stuff. I love those sorts of things. Like I was chatting to someone yesterday um who who does old what does he do toyotas and stuff jonathan ward don't know if you've come okay. across him icon in the states and he was saying he loves old cars like and all of that stuff mm. but he doesn't want to drive an old car he right. loved, like he wants all of the latest stuff or at least like 
bring everything a little bit up, like not yeah. driving, you know, fixed axles or something, put some suspension in or whatever, not get rid of the leaf springs and stuff like that. Put in the best we can do now, but make it fit and work and all of that. And I, I am 100% behind that. I don't want to drive something a lot that is just old and old for old sake. No, no. And I think that's the thing. And, you know, that's what, yeah, he's absolutely right. And that's what we're all about, really, is we love the shapes. We love, you know, lots of these cars are not only iconic, but they're, they're automotive art. You know, you're never mm. going to build another exact 964 today, you know, because different things have changed, <laughs> right? You know, things like, dare I say... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they just don't, there's so many things that have changed. You, know, you wouldn't build an E-Type today. You wouldn't build a whatever. Um, mm. But they're stunning, stunning things. And actually, if you can make them usable, if you can make them reliable, if you can make them uh, a, a kind of a comfortable place to be, um, that's the best of both worlds to me. And actually being able to just, yeah, jump in, use it, um, know that it's not going to let me down, you know, because yeah. by definition, EVs are exceptionally reliable um yeah you've got you've got kind of everything there for me yeah absolutely and then each person can pick their point on that line they're like oh, i want the original and i just want to drive it as original or i might do some minor tweaks everyone does minor tweaks to make it better like just mm. slightly more reliable or you can go full all the way up to whether it's converting it to electric or changing the powertrain or whatever That's doing right. all of that yeah absolutely Right. Well, I normally wrap these up with five questions. Okay. Do you have a most memorable driving trip or journey? Yeah, probably for the wrong reasons, actually. It was a trip <laughs> back from Monaco about two years ago when I went to bed about six hours later than I should have done and drove, um, drove the car back on my own. Um, clearly not over the limit, but extremely tired. Um, and, uh, and then hit traffic, I think, just... Yeah, you know, French yeah. auto routes, as you know, are, are um, either brilliant or they snarl up for hours. <laughs> and that was yeah. one of those journeys where there was a, an unplanned stop for a night, put it that way. But yeah, um, jumping, jumping out of uh, a car when you're on the wrong side of the road, wrong, wrong side of it for tolls and things like that yeah. was not fun. So that was oh, a memorable yeah. trip, but not for the right reasons. <laughs> I, I don't know whether you've since learned that they exist. You can get the little toll yeah. tags. Yeah. absolutely yeah. game changer yeah, you know when you're kicking yourself about 10 minutes into the journey <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm aware of those yeah but uh, yeah that was uh, that was that and then look I, I just love I love the ability on a you know Saturday Sunday morning I mean a, a great trip actually um, I just enjoy going out to Goodwood and at the time I had a, an F12 actually and just mm. just on a, early in the morning when you know there's not much on the road and just yeah. get out there and enjoy a car, frankly. Um, and that's, yeah, I think that, that for me, if I may, is the one thing that I hope my kids will have yeah. is still that ability. Now, everything will probably be electric by definition, but there's going to be a load of autonomous cars, there's a load of stuff. And I actually think the ability to just get and enjoy having a drive, <clears throat> I just don't want, I don't want that to be lost. No, um, there's something... Uh, unique about that isn't it whether it like whatever car the car that's special to you and you get out whether it's early or late or you're you've traveled to be in the middle of nowhere and no one's around and just have some fun on a road and kind of forget about everything else mm. five car garage <laughs> five 
five car garage. Um, unlimited value. Unlimited value. So I would say, um, got to have clearly one of our Porsches because I love it. Okay, but so if you if you had unlimited value, yeah, what would be the unlimited budget Everati project you would like to do, or have you already done it? So interesting, we've got a couple of conversations with people at the moment, the cars that I really do want to do. One is a three-ended SL Roadster. Mm. I love, again, it's art. That car is just achingly beautiful, yeah. fully restored. The drivetrain in its day was, was amazing, but by today's standards, it's, you know, it, it, it isn't. Um, yeah. But actually putting an EV drivetrain in a 300 SL Roadster, I think would be an absolutely amazing thing. Um, I've always loved a BMW M1. I just nice. think it's, again, a just iconic, iconic car. Um, I love, I love, uh, if I'm honest, I love the sort of older Land Rover stuff. I think, again, weirdly, I probably wouldn't have it restored. I'd, I'd make it look <laughs> like a beaten up old thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, with the ability to do stuff with it. Um, I also love, bizarrely, the likes of a Bentley Morsan or something that, again, yeah, is, just, yeah. is just a bit beefy. British in your face. Um, again, that could be EV. I'm not saying it has to be. Um, and then I'd probably just go something a bit nuts on the Ferrari side. I, you know, I, I love so many of them, but I yeah. couldn't probably pick one. But you know, lo- love a 250 GTO. But mm. you know, I, 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 I settled for a 275. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, something like that. or something. But yeah, something something around there would be uh, uh, would be good fun. I think that would be a nice mix. I think that's yeah i like that i like that and because you get a lot of people that are is sort of this sort of ev versus combustion war that seems to come out and in my experience i was chatting to speaking to someone there and he was like sam do you like ev cars i said i've got an ev car and he was like what (laughs) like like, (laughs) i have one and i use it and it's great i also enjoy v12 ferraris and Absolutely. whatever racing and all this stuff like it's not it's not one or the other it's right. like each has their place and their time and with keep them going and whatever and like it doesn't need to be this thing everyone can be involved it's not all or nothing it unfortunately probably will be at some point but it's not all or nothing yeah. again you know what we're about is that choice that you know dare i say a lot of these are, are fairly sterile you know, yes. um, and we're offering that ability to have a an EV, but in something that is still fun and engaging. And you know, it's that transition, right? You know, it's that it's that taking somebody from being a pure out and out petrolhead. I'll never look at that, you know, in, in that way. There's a couple of um, Mission Star chefs that are, you know, very very vocal. I never, you know, you'll never put me in an electric car. Yeah. Um, and um, and yeah, actually, when you say to them, look. That's fine, but you've got kids and you've got, you're going to have grandkids and this is only going one way. So you can either, you can either embrace it or you, or you can't. But actually, if you look at, let's say, um, you know, some of the cars that we've been talking about today, they emit their own body weight and CO2 every 2000 miles. You know, once <laughs> yeah. you know that you can't, yeah, that's so, like, you can't unsee it, you can't unhear it. And yeah. therefore, Whilst we love petrol still and, and have, you know, have fun in petrol cars, this is kind of a really cool halfway house. And, and that, I think, for me, is, is the key thing. You, you're right. 
I still have a combustion engine car. I'm going to have one for a while. There will be a time when I just drive it less and less, and that that's already yeah. happening. So it's just it's uh, yeah, it's a gradual thing. But we've got to get there, and hopefully, we can do it in a fun way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the more options and the more people doing different stuff, the better. And you you don't have to buy one; you can buy one. And that's we right. pointed out that a lot of this stuff is expensive. Like it, at, the, at the moment, it's you can't get a cheap EV. You can get relatively affordable EVs, but none of them are cheap. And if you, if it was your one car that you've got to do lots of miles in, those don't exist at the cheaper end at all. Um, Right. You can only drive one car for the rest of your life and you've got a 500 pound banger on the side. So you've got, you kind of got, you've got two cars, but one's 500 quid and one can be whatever you like. That's really interesting, isn't it? Good grief. I should have I should have prepared for this. Ah, um, no, it's better. <laughs> I think I would say, and I'm not going to mention what we do because that would be, you know, I'd love one of those, but let's <laughs> say something completely different. Um, I would probably have, dare I say, an EV version of something like I've already mentioned, so something like the 300 SL Roadster. Mm, yeah. I just think that it, it's... Again, that car for me is is one of the most beautiful things that's ever been built. Um, I probably wouldn't have, as I say, I wouldn't have the um, uh, the, the doors, you know, which is clearly yeah. what that car is known for, um, as in the three hundred SL. But um, I just think something that is 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 that stunning, achingly beautiful that you can just drive anywhere would probably would probably be the one for me. Yeah, yeah. I came across a car. Yes, this was Jonathan Ward's suggestion of. I've never come across this thing. It was a Bugatti, a round door Bugatti. I don't know whether you've ever seen it. Look, look it up after this round door. No, was it Bugatti or Rolls Royce? Uh, I, I think, know, it's, I, think, I, think I, I think it's a Bugatti. Um, no, it's a Rolls Royce. Sorry. So this is just, I've, I've got this up. It's a Rolls Royce and it's the round door Rolls Royce, I think. You don't know if that was at Concours of Elegance to you a few years ago. I, I'm it, pretty it might sure. Be. It is one of the coolest looking things I've ever yeah. seen, ever. And you're like, actually, that electric <laughs> would be, yeah. Would be wicked. <laughs> would be wicked. Yeah, it's funny. I was at Concours of Elegance at Winter Castle, which would be whenever that was, quite a few years ago now. Um, mm. And um, yeah, there was some of those just one-offs, frankly, in, in oh, uh, yeah. just absolutely stunning. Amazing, amazing things, like different era, but it's, like so cool now. Right, yeah. what do you think is the most undervalued car at the moment? What do you think should be worth more than it currently is, even though we're in a bit of a high at the moment? I mean, if I look at something like uh, the 458s today, 458 mm-hmm. Ferraris, um, if you consider what they really are, which is the last of an era, you know, they are the last naturally aspirated mid-engine V8 Ferrari. Yep. Um, and if, yeah, look at, look at Speciali, it doesn't even need to be in a person, but I think that is probably trading at the moment at a very fair price. I wouldn't say it's massively undervalued, but I, yep. can, see, I can see that appreciating over time, definitely. Um, there are lots of others, but that's the one that probably springs to mind. Mm. It's the special, like a, a, four five, a normal 458, I think is great value at the moment. 
Yeah. Like, all, all cars are a bit expensive. If we, if we could wind back yeah. six months, this would be a slightly better conversation, but you can't. Yeah. But And then I agree, like a, especially Ali, I think for a lot of people holds quite a place in their sort of mind and hearts. And that's not going to go away, is it really? And, it, no. and any of the replacements, they're different, but they're different in like a different way. Like you drive an F8 or something, it's not the same thing. No. Much more modern, but... Yeah. It doesn't have that zing. I think that's the thing, and you know, I'm 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 more clearly for um, upgrading powertrains, and by definition, turbocharging does that. But I think, um, yeah, I, I think that is the last V8 Ferrari um, that, that you know that they're only going to build as naturally aspirated. Um, likewise, I love my F12. I, I know I have my mm. F12, but I think again, I think that's you know the last Pininfarina designed naturally aspirated V12. I think arguably that's um, that's representing pretty good value at the moment. And I can see that only going one way personally. Yeah. I, I look at, before I got my 812, I was looking at getting an F12. And then I mm-hmm. just, I got man mathed into an 812. Um, but yeah. I look at an F12 and I think it's an amazing looking car. I think yeah. the 812 is an impressive looking car, but I don't yeah. personally think it's as good looking. Mm. And... The, obviously the price difference between the two is quite significant now yeah and you look really at an f12 and go like hmm 730 yeah. horsepower that's pretty cool it's, it's, it's enough yeah it's enough, it's enough. <laughs> um you know and that's the thing right that you know, we all love having a having a blast having a black and everything else but yeah how many times without losing your license do you really need you know and and uh and you're right i think an f12 is a stunning stunning car um and uh, yeah, I think so. Mine was T, uh, TDF Blue. Um, I actually nice. love that car. So yeah, it's a very classic looking. But I love the big boy Ferraris. I love the V12s. Um, and as I say, you know, they are by definition the last of an era, um, which is why I still have one. But I'm just not really driving at the moment. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, they are. They are. Yeah, load of fun, as you know. Yeah, I think me getting the 812 was very much like a. I think I need to have a V12 before I die. And yeah. then, <laughs> yeah. not that I thought I was going to die or anything, yeah, but uh, before they die. <laughs> and then the Lusso was like a slightly more, slightly more practical, but still retaining a lot of that, that yeah. ethos. But yeah, yeah. amazing, amazing things. Right. Final question. What is the most interesting car to you at the moment? I've been, and this is probably a bit of a weird answer, but I've been watching Rivian for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as a, as a concept, I think it's a really interesting proposition because certainly the price points they, they appear to be going, uh, aiming at, which are, you know, fairly, I'm not, no, no, no big four by fours are truly affordable by definition, you know, Range Rovers and, and the like um, yeah. are, are not cheap cars. But I guess what I'm coming from with that is, again, the ability to do a tank turn, Know, the ability to have to pull out a barbecue, the ability to put literally tons of stuff in it. Um, I think it's just an interesting proposition, um, and I think it's going to do really well. Personally, I think it's just a you know a vehicle that, um, uh, and, and I just hope um, you know I'm sure they're, they're working on this, but I hope that sort of the uh, deliverable in terms of quality and everything else will mm. come will come come with that. But um, 
the looks aren't for everybody. I think the, the front is, is an interesting um, uh, design, but I do think it's just an interesting proposition just because it has, uh, I think it has the opportunity, yeah, if it genuinely has 400 odd mile range, 0 16, four seconds, the things that, you know, um, will, will keep it a load of fun and still be very usable, um, I think that's a really interesting proposition. Yeah. I, I agree. I think it's it's cool. And I, I think over time, I can't remember what I was listening to recently, something, and they were talking about um, the actual cost of making an electric car. Yeah. Now, making a you know petrol engine car, ICE car, it was tons of development, making them reliable, all that stuff cost a lot of money. Making mm. a hybrid was like taking that initial amount and then adding a whole nother chunk on top. So they're really expensive. Making an electric car, pure electric, is pretty simple. Like once you've got your electric motor, okay, it's not simple, but relative to trying to put all that other stuff together. Yeah, definitely. And if you look at, you know, don't be wrong, I mean, I think unfortunately for for people in our space, you know, the the most expensive thing by definition is the batteries. You know, people talk about battery prices going down. They will, but actually for for small scale manufacturers, there's still a lot yeah. of money. But but the really interesting for me is, you know, look at the power output of um, the motors we're putting in our, our GT40, you know, yeah. 800 horsepower engineers at all. That's just in a, a relatively small package. Yeah. And you just bolt it in. Yeah, well, it'll work. It, yeah, you just bought it. You know what I'm saying? You, yeah. yeah. Once you know what you're doing, you just bolt it in. Um, compare that to an 800 horsepower ICE. I mean, it's just, you know, there's no comparison really in terms of complexity, in terms of, um, you know, management and all the other things that yeah. go with it. So, yeah. Servicing, absolutely. like, pff, what servicing yeah. almost? Like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So, we should see, uh, we should see electric cars get much, much, as soon as the battery cost comes down, electric cars should get really quite cheap. Yeah. I think I think that's right, and I think over time um, you'll see more and more stuff. Look, I'd love I'd love to be able to do a I, yeah. One of my first cars was, was a Mark II Golf GTI. I'd love to be able yeah. to do those to a point where people say, okay, it's not as cheap as something, but I still got to have it because it's cool. Yeah, um, and we're not there yet because generally the batteries are just just the um, especially if you want new high quality. You know, all the tech we've talked about. Yeah. Yes, you could put use, I'm sure, batteries in something like that. We we that's not something we would never do. But actually being able to lat around in a Mark One or Mark Two Golf GTI, it's fully electric, I think it'd be very, very cool actually. Um and it will get there. Yeah, we'll get there in terms of the price, we're just not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely get there. Cool. Well, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. It's a real pleasure. It's lovely to talk to you, Sam. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.